Well, we're glad you're here on this snowy Sunday. Uh, We are continuing our series, uh, Consider the Source. And what we have been talking about, what we started with last week, is that there's so many sources in our world. There's so much information. There's so many things that are flying at us over and over and over. And we have to consider what is the source that we're going to rely on. Last week, we talked about the source of truth. And today, I want to talk about our source of identity. You know, a big thing in our world today is identity theft. Anybody, does that make you a little nervous? Does that make you a little nervous? Somebody like taking your identity and going around and saying, uh, you know, yeah, like buying things or doing things or whatever. I had an identity theft moment in my life about a year ago where I went and got my car fixed somewhere. And then all of a sudden within about three weeks after that, I had three consecutive charges on my uh, debit card for auto parts. Parts, uh, that were like uh, 500 and 600 and, you know, like back to back to back. And then they called me and said, are you buying a bunch of auto parts? That doesn't seem like it's like you. And I said, it's not me. And I had to get it sorted out. And um, it's like one of those moments in time where you're like, oh, this is this is like kind of a new day or a new thing in our world. There was um Uh, a movie several years back that probably summed up the most famous identity theft ever. Uh, The guy's name was Frank Abagnale. Uh, I don't know if I said it correct, but he was the uh, kind of the person that was featured in the movie Catch Me If You Can, a Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, Leo played his part, and it kind of detailed the story about this guy who, before the age of 19, he successfully performed cons worth millions of dollars, and he posed as a Pan-American pilot. He posed as a Georgia doctor, and he, he posed as a Louisiana prosecutor all before the age of 19. He started this when he was 16 years old and he convinced people that he was all of these other people. And he did this after uh, his parents divorced and the court was asking him, which one do you want to go with, your mom or dad? And he was so devastated by that, he he just took off and left and pretended to be this person all around the country. And he spent three years of his life convincing everyone he was someone else. And it's, you know, the question is, is what like becomes of you or how are you, uh, how does it affect your life when you spend your whole life pretending you're something you're not. It's a really interesting movie. It's actually one of my favorite movies because it's so fascinating looking at the adventures this 16-year-old kid found himself in. But the reality is, is it's not as glamorous as necessarily a Hollywood movie. His life, it was really a painful thing. And um, I have a video to show you, the real Frank Agnagnale, it kind of explaining where he was at in his life uh, mentally and emotionally when all of this was going on as he's kind of reflecting back on that. It's a little bit of a longer video, but it's well worth it. So let's watch uh, Frank tell his story. For me, a complete stranger said I had to choose one parent over the other. There was no choice, so I ran. How could I tell you my life was glamorous? I cried myself to sleep till I was 19 years old. 
I spent every birthday, Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day in a hotel room somewhere in the world by myself. When I was sick, I took care of myself. The only people that associated with me were the people who believed me to be their peer, 10 years older than I actually was. I never got to go to a senior prom, high school football game, or even share a relationship with someone my own age. I always knew I'd get caught. Only a fool would think otherwise. The law sometimes sleeps, but the law never dies. I was caught. I went to some very bad places. My boys have grown up asking their mother, why is it that dad gets up in the middle of the night and goes down the TV room? Because he doesn't turn the TV on. He just sits there all night. Because there are things you can't forget. Things you're not meant to forget. While I was sitting in that pitch black cell in France, my father, 57, was climbing the subway stairs in New York as he did every day, only on this particular day, he tripped. He was in great physical shape. He just slipped. He reached his arm out to break his fall. He slipped again, hit his head on a railing, landed at the bottom of the step. He was dead. I didn't know he was dead. I was sitting in that cell thinking about him, how much I couldn't wait to see him, hold him, hug him, kiss him, tell him how sorry I was. But I never got the opportunity to do that. I was very fortunate because I was brought up in a great country where everyone gets a second chance. I owe my country 800 times more than I could ever repay it for the opportunities it's given me these past 37 years. That is why I'm at the FBI today, 26 years beyond my legal obligation to do so. I have turned down three pardons from three sitting presidents of the United States because I do not believe, nor will I ever believe, that a piece of paper will excuse my actions, that only in the end my actions will. 36 years ago, on an undercover assignment in Houston, Texas, I met my wife. When the assignment was over, I broke protocol to tell her who I really was. Didn't have a dime to my name. I eventually asked her to marry me against the wishes of her parents. She did. I could sit here and tell you I was born again. I saw the light. Prison rehabilitated me. But the truth is, God gave me a wife. She gave me three beautiful children. She gave me a family. And she changed my life. She and she alone. Everything I have, everything I've achieved, who I am today, is because of love of a woman and the respect three boys have for their father. There comes a time in all of our lifetimes that we grow up and we have children. And as every parent in this room knows, whether your child is three months old or 33 years old, when you lay your head on a pillow at night, no matter where that pillow is, and you're just about to close your eyes, the last thing you think about, the last thing you worry about, are your children. So if you still have your mother, you still have your father, you give him a hug, you give him a kiss, you tell them you love them. And to those men in the audience, both young and old, I will remind you what it truly is to actually be a man. It has absolutely nothing to do with money, achievements, skills, accomplishments, degrees, professions, positions. A real man loves his wife. A real man is faithful to his wife. And a real man next to God and his country put his wife and his children as the most important thing in his life. Steven Spielberg made a wonderful film, but I've done nothing greater, nothing more rewarding, nothing more worthwhile, nothing that's brought me more peace, more joy, more happiness, more content in my life 
than simply being a good husband, a good father, and what I strive to do every day of my life, a great daddy. God bless you, and thanks for having me today. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, now I know why uh, everybody believed Frank, right? Uh, he's a pretty well-spoken, and I would, I would believe he was a pilot, doctor, or lawyer as well because of how um, well he comes across. But I will say, what an interesting thing that a lot of times we may think or we may um, believe that there's lots of different things that identify us, that make us successful. And there was a period of time in Frank's life where he pursued those things. But ultimately, in the end, what is it that really identifies us? What is our source of identity? What is the source of something that is going to be significant in our life? He said right there in kind of the closing thoughts, as he said, that it was about his relationships. And he talked about family, God, and country. And he was saying, you know, these are the things that meant more than anything else in my life is not the successes, not the titles, not the other things. And we may think these adventures may be glamorous, but it wasn't what it was all cracked up to be. I think that from a lesser extent, each and every one of us deal with what identifies us. Maybe not to the degree of Frank, but we, we deal with it in some way or another. Because in many ways, our culture is kind of like, kind of sums up sometimes people's life in, in like one maybe crowning accomplishment. Okay, really quick, you can do this. You can help me out here. What is the one word that pops into your head when I mention these last names? All right, we can, we can do this pretty simple. We have uh, really quickly, we can identify what this person was about. How about Jordan? Basketball, right? How about Obama? President, okay? How about Buffett? Rich, money, yeah, absolutely. How about Mother Teresa? Service, saint, yeah, absolutely. And it's pretty quick that it can pop into your mind and say, that is what that person's identity is. And in some ways, that's, that's a good thing. that we're, They're identified by something. But to, to a different extent, sometimes maybe we dream about a life that isn't. We dream about something that isn't. We dream about an identity that isn't the reality in our life. Maybe we dream about something that's more glamorous, more famous, more wealthy, more successful in some ways. And, and that's kind of how we want to identify ourselves is this picture. I think in our modern age as well, we're faced with the reality that all of the social media pictures that we put out in front of people sometimes are not really that accurate, right? I, I was talking to somebody this week that said, I quit Facebook. And I was like, why did you quit Facebook? And they said, I quit Facebook because everybody I know like puts this beautiful picturesque picture of their family up. And there is somebody that put a picture up and said that I was just talking about the other day about how their whole family is falling apart and their husband's a jerk and all this. And they put beautiful pictures up and they felt it was such a fake representation of true identity. And maybe sometimes we even pr- portray ourselves. In a way that we say, this is who I am. I am virtuous, or I am successful, or I am adventurous, or I am popular. In some way or another to put ourselves out there to say, this 
is how I want to be identified. Well, let me just say that I think that there's a great temptation in our world and our time today to be caught up in this kind of identity theft type of idea where we are playing a part and we are saying that this is who we want to be and it's not really true and it doesn't really bring peace. In the end, I think that we have to ask ourselves, what is it that is going to bring us peace? Is it dreams or unaccurate portrayals of ourselves that is not rooted in truth that are going to bring us peace or not? And and so today I want to look at a little bit the picture of the scripture, the source of our identity, that the Bible says this is who you are and this is what you need to rely on. This is who you are. So I want to read Romans chapter 8 says this. Romans eight fourteen through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. This is the picture, one of the pictures that God gives us about identity, who we really are. And this is something that people struggle with and wrestle with. It's one of those kind of like big questions of life. Like what's the meaning of life? What am I all about? What is my purpose? What is my identity? But what the Bible says about it is significantly different, I think, than really a lot of times what we put our source of identity in. What we put our identity, what we project to the world. So there's several different things that the scripture says about our identity. And the first one is found in the first pages of scripture. And we're not going to read that, but it's important to note, and it's an important part of the context of the story, is at the beginning of the Bible, it says that we were created in the image of God. That we were created in the image of God. What that identity is speaking to specifically is value. It's speaking to how valuable we are. That we are uniquely created differently than the rest of creation. Where there is value in the rest of creation. There's value in the the seas and the the beauty of the natural earth. There's value in the, the plants and animals that live on this earth. But there is different value when it comes to human beings. And that's what the scripture says. As the first uh, chapter of the scripture unfolds, it says it talks about the goodness of God's creation, but then it talks about how human beings were created uniquely and distinctively different. And this is the one thing that set them apart is the image of God, the bearers of God's image that we are able to, in different ways, um, represent God in some ways on this earth. We bear God's image. And there's been lots of thought and discussion about what is it that that image of God is. But I would say, without, without a doubt, it t- demonstrates our value that's different, but it identifies a couple of, uh, also our responsibility. 
in this world. That identity gives us both value and responsibility. Our value is we're made unique. We're set apart. We have a purpose. We have an identity that is founded in God created us for a purpose and reason. And a lot of times, you know, some of the ways that we even would, would speak about this is how the scripture talks about it. Is that there's a responsibility then with that value and that, that, that what has been placed on our hearts and our lives. There's responsibility over creation. There's responsibility over our actions. There's responsibility that comes with that intrinsic value that we have. And so, so it is different from us saying that there's someone, you know, like when a, a, a dog goes out and does dog kinds of things. And like when you're gone and if you leave food out or you leave trash out, the dog will get into the trash, right? Did the dog really do anything wrong? Well... Maybe you can train the dog to get out of the trash. It hasn't worked in my home, okay? Um, But really, when it comes down to it, if we left the door open to our kitchen trash, I look at the other adults in the room, or the kids in the room, and I say, it was one of our faults, not the dog's fault, right? Because dogs are going to go and dig through trash, That is who they are, and that's how instinctively they're created, is they're going and searching for something to eat, right? Okay, but it's unique, and it's different, that God says that we are created with the image of God, with a responsibility and a value that is unique and distinct, and that we have, in some ways, that image of God gives us this picture that's deep down inside of us that we can see and know and feel that there is right and wrong. That there is responsibility that we bear. You know, in many regards, how we really first and foremost feel and sense that there's more to this world than just flesh and blood is we can sense that we have done something wrong many times. We can feel that inside. We can feel that. And I think it's the God-given ability that God put within us to say, I know that there's something more to my life and there's responsibility that I hold for my actions. And what, what, whatever you want to call that, your conscience, or you want, to, you want to call that the Holy Spirit, which is definitely, I, I think it is. It is the image of God that is on our hearts and lives that makes us unique and different. And always remember that this identity is, a, is valuable. That this is a, you are a person of value. You were born with the image of God for a purpose, for a reason, for, for, for all of this. And so there's many times that we get caught up in all kinds of other things and identities to give us value. Ultimately, yes, it's good that you have talent, skills, successes, all kinds of things in your life. That will identify you one day. When you die, people will stand up and talk about the accomplishments that you had and the relationships that you had. And all of that in some way will identify you. But when it's said and done, the one thing that truly identifies our value is we were created with the image of God. That's what identifies our value. And that is intrinsic. And it, it, it goes beyond any of our actions, skills, or abilities. It's something that is given to us and given because of what God did.
and how God, and because of what God created within us. We're born with the image of God. You know, a painting may have value, but you know what the most telling part of how valuable a painting is, is in the tiny little corner and it identifies who created the painting, right? That's what identifies the value. Is, is who did this painting? Was it a, somebody who is a, a master artist who, who made this painting and this rare thing that is collectible and potentially worth millions and millions of dollars because of that authentic label in the corner saying, this is the one who created this image. That gives the painting value. And that is what it ultimately gives you value. You were created by God with the image of God. And that cannot be diminished or, um, or, or changed in any way. No matter who you are, you have been created with that. And that intrinsically gives you value. There should be some degree of peace in that. And I know it's hard sometimes to, to internalize that. But there should be a a, a degree of peace in just knowing I have intrinsic value given to me beyond anything I've ever done. It's the image of God. That is who I am. And all these other things, when we're pursuing and chasing these things and says, this is what I'm identified by, they ultimately are not fulfilling. They're ultimately not going to bring us peace because they're ultimately not what gives you value? It's not. Your value is by your creator. Your value is by who made you. Your value is intrinsic and can't be taken away. And that idea, that value has been something that is like really transformed society and our culture when people really live into that saying your intrinsic value has nothing to do with your background, your race, your gender, your skill. It has your intrinsic value is you were created and designed by God. And, and that is where we really need to start. And we need to really remember that in those moments in time where we're struggling and things are difficult, we need to remember where our value comes from, what it is and what it relies on. It's something that is given to us by God. And it's a responsibility that we have to we have to live up to. A second thing that the scripture talks about, and it's getting back into Romans 8, where it kind of uses this language, is, it's, is the scripture tells us time and time again, we're a child of God. Saying the image of God demonstrates our value, but a, a child of God demonstrates who you belong to. Who do you belong to? We have intrinsic value, but being a child of God says you belong to the creator. I remember uh, this story used to be told a lot in our family history is that 
when my sister, who I have an older sister who's two years older than me, when we were visiting family members in South Dakota, I think we were visiting a nursing home and visiting my great grandmother. Um, and we were young kids and we were there. And some distant uncle of some kind was also in the nursing home and walked by and looked in the room and saw my sister and looked in and pointed at her and he said, She belongs to the guts. And he walked off. He just stormed off. And that was my, my grandmother's maiden name. And he just saw, he looked at her in her features and said, she's a dutz. And he was right. She was a dutz. Um, and she belongs to the dutz. Maybe you have had moments like this. I've had moments in time where I've looked at people and I said, I know who you're related to, right? And I know your family members. And um, you see it and you can just see that identity that is just like painted on their face because there's those features and there's attributes. And the older you get, maybe you hear kind of voices coming out of, uh, you know, you like you saying things. It's like, oh yeah, that's what my dad used to say. Uh, the other day I was walking in the room and my wife said, I thought it was Titus that was walking in the room because his voice sounds a lot like yours. Um, and I'm like, oh boy, you know, and, and there's these identifying features that are family things. And a lot of us, you know, most of us in our culture, we have our family name. I'm a headache with a CH that is spelled incorrectly and pronounced headache uh, or should be pronounced headache. But that's my family heritage and my name. And that is something that's important that says, you know, I'm uh, my family's German and uh, all these different things. And there's these identifying factors to say you belong. What it is that the scripture is telling us is you are identified in the family of God, that that's where you belong. Where you belong is in this family. You belong with this family. You belong. This is where home is. In God's family. And, you know, as we, we watch the video of Frank that is running all kinds of adventures and like doing all kinds of glamorous things. He's a doctor, lawyer, and pilot. Um, he's accomplished more than all the rest of us in our life before he's 19. He faked all these degrees. He did all this stuff. He made millions of dollars on fake checks and fake payrolls and all this kinds of things. Ultimately, in the end, his heart was sad and he was empty because he wanted to go home. You understand that? He just wanted to go home. And he wanted to be there with his family. And he knew, even though he did all kinds of stuff and traveled the world, he didn't, that's not where he belonged. That's not where he belonged. And ultimately, what the scripture is telling us is that you belong in God's family. That you belong as a child of God. You belong as a part of the community of God's family that everyone is welcome to. That is where your heritage lies. And that is where you are truly home. And so the scripture tells us, it says, for those who are led by the spirit of God, they are children of God. And there's something that when we, when we understand and when we grasp and when we fully hear and recognize the voice of God, what we recognize is that we are to be a part of God's family. That's what the scripture is telling us, that that's where we belong. 
We belong to be restored to God's family. We We belong to be reconciled with our creator. We belong to be forgiven by God and in relationship with God. That is where we belong. But unfortunately, and we see this as a picture and an illustration all throughout Scripture, is that there's many families where people are estranged. And that's the picture that we get in Scripture. And it makes me immediately think of, and of like the, the, one of the famous stories that Christ gave is the story of the prodigal son, who by his birthright, he was a part of a family. By his, by his namesake, by his identity, he was a part of a family. And he said, I am going to run off and make my own way and do my own thing. And after a while, he recognized and realized when all of his money was spent that it was emptiness. And he came back home and he came back home thinking that he had, you know, he was going to maybe be a servant in his father's household. And the picture is that the father welcomed him when he saw him from a far distance and threw a party and celebration because he said, my son was dead and he's alive again. My son has returned back. And that is the picture that Christ gives us of how he thinks of us, how God thinks of us. That you belong in God's family. That that's your home. That that's the place that if your spirit is sensitive to God's spirit, you'll come to a point in time where you recognize, I have to reconnect with my creator. That's it. That's, who I, that's, that's what I was created for. And so the scripture gives us some words that are really important. And really important for us to develop even over time is it's saying that your spirit will testify. Those who are led by God's spirit will start to understand who we are and cry out to God. God, you are my father, Abba, father. We will cry out to God. And it says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. I don't know if you've had this experience, but if you haven't, I pray that you will. That there's a point in time where in your life where you come to a place where you're sensitive to God's voice and God's spirit and you recognize where you truly belong is you're a child of God. And the beautiful thing that the scripture tells us is that there is an assurance that can come and a peace that can come that goes beyond any other identity that can exist in this world. Is saying, I know, I know that I am home. I know that I have made peace with my creator. I know that I am a child of God. And there's times maybe you have doubts and fears and you're not quite there. But, I, but the scripture tells us this is a beautiful gift that we can have. We can come to a place of peace. And that's God's will for your life is that you can come to a place of peace. You can come to a place where your identity is at peace, knowing I am in relationship with God. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I've, I, everything is completed in my relationship with God. But I can know with beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am a child of God. I am, relationship, I am in a relationship with my creator. And if you're not, if you haven't been there yet, cry out and seek God and seek God's spirit to be in that place where you know. Because there's incredible power when you are going about different difficulties in your life, knowing 
My identity is not my job, is not my other things that are, are, are things that we get wrapped up in. My identity is clear and I am a part of God's family and I can be at peace then. Everything else is peripheral compared to that truth and I can put my peace in that. And that's what the scripture tells us is that's what you can have and that's the God's desire for you is that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. Uh, John Wesley called it Christian assurance, kind of this assurance that I have, that I know now that I'm in relationship with my creator. And it's a wonderful gift that God can give us as we seek that and we know that. And then the next step ultimately is, is that we are heirs of God. The image of God demonstrates our value. The ch- uh, being a child of God demonstrates who you belong to. But being an heir of God is your inheritance, is what you uh, are, is rightfully yours as a result. What is the consequence of that? You know, uh, several times in my life, especially in, the, in recent years, as my parents start to reach retirement age, my mom has come to me and she's, she's kind of the blunt one. She's kind of the one that will just like say whatever and is not ashamed of that. It was a little bit embarrassing when my mom was a high school uh, teacher at my high school when she was an English teacher. And I'd hear stories from other people about, did you hear what your mom said? And I'm like, I don't want to know about that. Okay, all right. But I get a little bit of that from my mother and I appreciate that um, uh, and uh, there's been moments in time recently as they're approaching retirement where my mom has come to me and said just in case you were unclear about this there's nothing for you guys you kids as far as your inheritance is concerned we got nothing you are out of luck you are on your own so plan accordingly because you're getting absolutely no nothing from us we got nothing okay we'll figure it out but there's gonna be nothing left at the end of it okay and i'm like all right thanks mom uh i appreciate that it's nice to know uh maybe we need to adjust our 401k savings a little bit to uh make accommodations for that and my mom has told me that several times and she's you know kind of has a little twinkle in her eye when she's saying it but she's telling me the truth but what i would say is this is there is that factor that is true that i don't i'm not going to receive a financial inheritance from my family and that is okay but what i will say in response to that mom if you're listening to the podcast is this guess what you gave me everything i ever needed everything I ever needed. My parents gave me absolutely everything I ever needed. They were there for me. They brought me up in a relationship with God. They cared for me. They're still in my life. Uh, had dinner with them last night. And that relationship and that is everything I ever needed. And that is a wonderful inheritance. And that is what is really valuable. And I'm so grateful that that's what I had. I am 100% blessed. God gave me and my parents have given me an incredible inheritance. Incredible. So, so big and so beyond anything that I could have ever asked or imagined for. What a blessing. What a blessing that I've been given. And you see, that is what the scripture is talking about here. Is it saying that the inheritance of those who understand who you really are is a profoundly important thing. 
That you understand, and the scripture says in Romans 8, it says, your children, and as a result, your heirs, and heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, and indeed, um, we'll get to this part in a second, but we receive all of the things God has promised. It says in the scripture, it says, indeed, we share in his sufferings. And that's a weird thing to put in there, and it's kind of like, Really, that's our inheritance is our sufferings with God. But what it's really ultimately saying is something bigger than, than, than normal, everyday things that identify us. Is Christ's inheritance is bigger and broader than that. It's not about everyday comforts or identity. Christ's, uh, Christ's identity goes beyond. And it goes beyond. And when you're dealing with sufferings and struggles and difficulties, which Christ definitely did, we have a bigger and broader peace that can sustain us. Because we know we're created in God's image. We know we're children of God. And we know ultimately our heir is eternal life with our creator. That's ultimately the inheritance. And so as you're going through difficulties, struggles, or whatever it may be, an identity crisis, so to speak, you know ultimately who you are. And that's what the scripture wants to tell us. In our world today, there's more, more talk and discussion about identity than maybe ever before. Just the other day, I was at my bank. Actually, yesterday, I was at my bank and talking to my banker about certain things. And they said, well, we got to ask you some questions about your identity. I'm like... Dude, I'm just a white dude. You know, it's not not that complicated. But they're, you know, would you uh, consider yourself Hispanic, Vietnamese, or you know? And they read down this. I'm like, time out. Like, I'm just a white guy. Okay, all right. Um, it's pretty simple and it's easy. But that is kind of the world we're in right now. Is that there's all these lists and labels to say this is who you are. 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 All of it is insignificant. All of it. That's not who you are. That's not what categorizes you. Is your gender, race, ethnicity, last name, your facial features, if you go to the Dutz, whatever it may be. That is not what identifies you. The source of identity should come from God. Our source of identity should be something bigger than that. Our source of identity is our creator. And that is the place where we can truly have peace. And that is the place where we can truly live our life free of running around and trying to hide and pretend we're something we're not. Because you're not. That's not who you are. And that's not what identifies you. What identifies you is your, the creator of the universe created you with the image of God, called you his child, and as a result is giving you the inheritance that he promises you. That is what your source of identity, where your source of identity can be found. So if you struggle with these things, if you struggle with trying to paint a picture out there of who your world is or what group you fit into or whatever it may seem, I want to encourage you and challenge you to just move a little bit beyond that world. The world of trying to find my identity and all of these other things. Move a little beyond that. And recognize, I am a child of God. Will you pray with me?
God, I pray as a community that we would consider the source for all the things in our life. Source of truth. Also the source of our identity. It's you. God, you are the source of all things. You are the creator. You are the one that is the original source of it all. So God, I pray that we would understand that and know that and find peace. God, it seems like in our world there's so many different things now that are identifying labels. That are saying this is who you are, this is who you are. And ultimately, God, it seems like that's kind of dividing us. God, I pray that we would be united in this one thing, that we are children of God. I want to invite you to offer your own prayers to God and I would ask you to think about kind of those things that sometimes you identify yourself by. Where do you put your pride? Where do you put your, your kind of um, self-worth? And I invite you to reflect on what is truly important and where the true source of your identity should come from. Cry out to our creator if there's times that you struggle with, I wish I, was, I looked a little different or I wish I was more successful in this or I wish I was that, I wish I was that, I wish I identified differently. Hear and know that the God of the universe made you, created you with the image of God and your worth is, uh, your worth is set. Your worth is clear. You have intrinsic value. You were created with the image of God and that will never change. So if you struggle with these things, cry out to God and ask God for his spirit to come where you're at right now and testify to your spirit who you are and you're standing with the creator of the universe. And I trust and believe that God's spirit can testify with your spirit that you truly are a child of God.